Good morning, Grace. We are, as a church, uh, taking our time walking through Mark's gospel, and uh, we are going to be looking at some more of Jesus' parables, Jesus' stories about the kingdom of God from Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read the passage in a moment, but if you haven't got a Bible with you and want to follow along, then just stick your hand up and uh, an usher will bring you a Bible, and if you haven't got one because you actually don't own one, then keep it uh, and uh, enjoy uh, that, take it home. Um, We are reading in Mark chapter 4. We've been thinking over the last couple of weeks of how uh, Jesus speaks in parables to test our hearing. Do we hear him well? Do we hear what he has to say well? Are we good soil that receives his word? So we're going to look at a couple of more kingdom hearing tests today. And chiefly we'll be thinking about uh, this chapter from verse 26 onward through to verse 34. But I'm going to start reading at verse 21 because there's a verse I want to pick out um, that we looked at last week. So Mark chapter 4 verse 21. And he said to them, this is Jesus, is the lamb brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He didn't speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. As we've heard God speak to us in his word, let's pray that he would... Give us understanding. Father God, we thank you that you continually sow your word among us. We pray that you would address us, that you would comfort us and encourage us. Father, that where we need to hear your challenge, that we would do so knowing that you empower our response. Give us grace as we hear and as I speak. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we find Jesus teaching about what the kingdom of God is like or what it can be compared to. 
Except he doesn't really say what the kingdom of God is. It's kind of the premise on which he builds his illustration. Now, Jesus could assume that his hearers knew what the kingdom of God was, and they wanted it now. Mark could assume that for his readers. But maybe that's not so obvious for us today. We don't use kingdom of God language apart from in churchy kind of contexts. So let me try a little definition, just so we can uh, get our bearings. Something like, the kingdom of God is where God lovingly rules His world for its flourishing in human society to the praise of His glory. Wow. The kingdom of God is where God lovingly rules His world for its flourishing in human society to the praise of His glory. Well, except maybe I should change that a little for Jesus' hearers. Because when they would have heard people speaking about the kingdom of God, this is how they would have heard it. The kingdom of God is where God lovingly rules his world for its flourishing in Israel, us, to the praise of his glory and the utter destruction of Israel's enemies. Jesus poses a kingdom hearing test for us in these parables, in these stories he tells. He's asking us what might be the obstacles to our understanding the true nature of the kingdom of God. What might block our hearing? Now, if the kingdom of God is where God lovingly rules his world for its flourishing in human society to the praise of his glory, then what? And if we were hearing this as in Israel, and we were hearing that as us, or maybe in the church as us, to the praise of his glory and the defeat of our enemies. How might we hear this? Well, maybe we'd need to hear about the kingdom of God and at least not about the kingdom of me. You see, our society continually tells us to follow our dreams. Follow your dreams. Be the person you want to be. Follow your desires and you will gain flourishing and fulfillment. Maybe that's the story you tell yourself inadvertently. Perhaps you imagine yourself in that movie that will be made of the story of your life one day, played by that famous actor. Or or maybe you uh, give yourself a running commentary as if you're an amazing athlete, a performer that is being noted by the world. Here comes Draycott. He strides confidently to the podium to preach. People don't realize yet what a famous preacher he will be, and so they stand in awe as he opens his mouth and delivers God's word. Wow. Gosh, I'd like to meet that guy. Um, Do do you ever do that commentary in your head? Uh, Maybe it's a commentary of success. People will recognize you at last. Or maybe sometimes it's self-pity. They ought to recognize me, they don't. But maybe the kingdom of God is going to subvert the way we put ourselves at the center. Even subvert the hope that Jesus' first hearers had about Israel. You see, Israel knew that God was going to do something on his day, the day of his judgment. That's why I read the the passage that we looked at last time, because verse 22 says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. God will make everything clear. And that's good news. The day of God's judgment is good news for Israel, because Israel knows it's going to be on top. 
It's good news when judgment comes, when you're a winner. And so Israel can hear Jesus speaking of those who have, more will be given to us. Well, we have, we have God, we'll get even more. The nations, the Gentiles, they're going to lose everything they've got. We win. The Gentiles lose. I've got good soil, check. I've got my lamp, it's on a stand, check. I come to church, check. I will win, everyone else loses. It's easy sometimes to hear Jesus' parables so that we can pat ourselves on the back. But is that right? Is that the hearing test that Jesus poses? Well, let's look at our, uh, the parable of the man scattering seed on the ground. Simple. He scatters seeds. He gets on with his life. Doesn't know how it happens. Gets a harvest. Boom! And then there's the sickle comes in. Gets his reward. What does this look like? Well, if we were hearing about the kingdom of God as the story of our success, we'd recognize, at least in Jesus' day, that success is measured by agrarian comfort, of wealth and security by the, the productivity of your land. You see, God will defeat your enemy on his day. He will lift Israel up on the mount of the Lord, and Prophet Micah tells you, we'll all get to sit under our own vine and by our own fig tree. Now, I'm not sure how many of you are aspiring to one day sit under your own vine. Um, uh, I, I probably couldn't recognize a fig tree, right? Um, so, sometimes the illustrations that we find that Jesus is use, uses make a lot of sense to his hearer, not a lot to us. I know, kind of, because in the past I've seen a farm, what a farm looks like, but sowing seed just isn't something I do. Uh, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. So how might we think of this parable of the person sowing the seed in the ground? Well, instead of seed, let's think about something we handle a whole lot of. Um, let's think of this as seed money. Okay, and uh, we'll go improbable. So let's imagine that we are, or you are a venture capitalist investor. And you just have this amazing instinct for how the market is going to run. And your partners, your investors in your fund continue to secure great profits. And you see a great opportunity to invest. And so you invest everything. And you know that the market, if it runs as you want it to, will draw investment away from your competitors and destroy their competition. Destroy their investments. You will win. You will have the harvest. When judgment day comes, when you, the market closes, when you cash in, you will be on top. When you're audited, when Forbes public, publish their fortune ranking, you will be on it. Judgment is good news because you've won. That's a, a natural reading. You just get on with your day. You don't really know how the financial instruments work that those clever mathematicians in the banks come up with, but you've got a knack. And it takes time for your investments to come to fruition, but they do. You're a winner. You see, the last verse of that parable about the person sowing the seed or you investing your vast millions of capital okay, is about a sudden judgment 
When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus has already alerted us to judgment. Here it is again. This is a a reference, it's a direct quotation from the prophet Joel. And the prophet Joel, in his chapter 3, is talking about the day of the Lord, talking about the day when Israel will be successful because God grants its success and its enemies will be destroyed. And this will come about as battle is engaged, as plowshares, agricultural tools, are actually beaten into swords and pruning hooks are beaten into spears. This is about winning. And so Jesus' hearers, Mark's original readers, and even us as investment capitalists, we hear this as good news. We're on the winning side. You see, our judgment that might congratulate ourselves is still intact at this point. We need to hear what Jesus says next. Have I heard that parable well? Is that really what it's saying? Well, how about the next one? Again, we've got the seed thing. Okay, just rubbing in my face that I don't know anything about agriculture. There's a grain of mustard seed. It's small, it's scattered, and provides, uh, then uh, becomes a large plant and gives shelter to all the, bears, the birds of the air. What is this about? You see, Jesus is starting to mess with your expectations if you're one of his original hearers. Because if you were going to imagine a kingdom, a successful rule of human society, then you wouldn't picture it as a mustard plant. No, you would remember that the prophet Ezekiel, a couple of times, the prophet Daniel, when they they talk about a mighty kingdom, they talk about it as a mighty tree, as a cedar. Everyone knew this. Mighty kingdom, cedar. It's like knife and fork, peanut butter and jelly, mighty kingdom, a cedar. That's just what you expect. Jesus is going to talk about the kingdom of God, it being mighty and powerful. Then he's going to talk about a cedar, but he doesn't. What is he doing? What kind of hearing test is he applying to us? Well, again, because... I, and I suspect a lot of us don't know a whole lot about seeds, and that doesn't really grab us. Let's go back to money. Let's think about our mustard seed as seed money again. This time we're joining in some crowdfunding of a business startup. And uh, this isn't particularly uh, brought out of real-life situation. I've just made these up, okay? How about, um, I doubt this ever happens, but a new firm of architects. You know, a promising young architect friend um, wants to set up a, a firm, and you think, ah, I'm going to get on in this. I think I could make money this way. I could be successful by funding this. Or maybe you know someone who's just got out of an engineering program, and they've had an internship at that sports car engineering company, and now they're going to set up. They're going to design the next luxury sports car. I'm going to get in on this while it's new. Okay? I'm going to make money. That's how I'm going to succeed. It's going to be a great product. It's going to make me rich, and the whole world is going to know about it. Because maybe you hear this architect is going to bring in a really famous partner who's agreed to do his work pro bono. And this architect will manage to secure that stadium bid and the shopping mall for the relocated LA Rams. This is a license to print money. You're going to invest in this. You are going to get rich. 
Or maybe you imagine that this company is going to design the next sports car that outperforms all the sports cars of your dream. It will tap into the luxury market. That's how you're going to succeed, by investing in this. That would be cedar tree worthy. That would be how you would stand out, how you would succeed, how you'd be recognized, how you'd make your millions. But Jesus doesn't talk about a cedar tree. We've heard it already in reference. We'll hear it later in the service. But he doesn't here talk about the cedar tree. Why not? It's the obvious go-to for success for the kingdom. Well, how about once you've already paid your money in online into this crowdfunding possibility, you actually attend a fundraiser and meet the other backers. And you find out that instead of what you think will be the most profitable venture, building a stadium for a relocated NFL franchise, you find out this is all about affordable housing in partnership with Habitat for Humanity. Investing in a deprived neighborhood. Developing skills for the long-term unemployed. Saving a community from a division of gentrification and ghettoization. Ah. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to make my millions here. It's kind of mustard seedy, mustard tree-like. It's good, but do I value it? Or maybe the car designer isn't going to make that sports car to make you your millions as you invest. Maybe he's just noted that school buses can be uh, more efficient, and more fuel-effective. And actually, he thinks they can be done so in a way that's more inclusive for students. So he's designed an economy-friendly school bus with state-of-the-art wheelchair access. Well, that's, that's mustard tree, but I'm not sure it's making me my millions. What do I value? Jesus is asking us what we value. At this fundraiser, you're reminded of your humanity. You're not just a bank account on legs. You're not just success when you have so many dollars after your name. Because you're then surrounded by people who have a vision and love. Because they belong to this thing that is a kingdom. A kingdom that's defined by God and His love. And His measure of success and not yours. You see, the crowdfund was the point. Getting you together with others. Getting you to hear a parable. So that you change the thinking that orients your life around yourself. You see, Jesus needs to shake our dreams of making millions, of having high standing in the world, of maybe even owning that Maserati, of making profits from the LA Rams stadium, of having cedar tree dreams of glory. He needs to shake that all up by telling us, no, it's about a mustard tree. I mean, it's, a, you know, it, it's bigger than all the other garden plants, which just doesn't sound so exciting, right? It's not a California redwood but this is what the, the, the kingdom of God is about. See, the good news is, as we read Mark rendering this parable that Jesus spoke, we recognize that judgment comes in a much more interesting way. You see, Mark's readers, as we can recognize that we're reading about Jesus, speaking about the kingdom of God after his fulfillment of the purpose of the kingdom in his death and his resurrection. 
what Jesus does, how he speaks, it makes some waves. Nevertheless, it's easily snuffed out by the powers that be. But as we look to what his risen life achieved amongst us, it may not be shaking the world so the news reporters are at our door finding out what these amazing Christians are like, but we can look around and see lives being transformed. We don't have to look for cedar trees. We don't have to look for superstars in our midst to recognize that when small seed is sown, it will bear fruit. Unremarkable, perhaps not the fruit we'd recognize, perhaps not the tree we'd desire, but that is the truth of the kingdom of God. You see, God's investment in our flourishing, in our success, doesn't come by backing up our dreams or the dreams the world would tell us to have. It comes ultimately at the cost of his son. Jesus came because we were over our heads in our debt of sin. Debt to our own selfish living for our own glory rather than God's. And judgment and reckoning and auditing does come, but it can come as good news for us if we hear the truth of the kingdom well in his justice. Because it has already come. Judgment has already come. And we need to recognize it, as many in the world do not. It comes when Jesus Christ dies on another tree. The tree of the cross of Calvary. We read in the Bible, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness and live to flourishing. That is the liberation that the kingdom of God holds out for us. You see, we need to allow Jesus to mustardize our hearing. And if Jesus mustardizes our hearing, if we stop looking for cedars, if we stop measuring our success before our brother and sister or before the world by standards the world gives us, then we'll be able to receive these parables again much more simply. They're not about my glory and the, the, the defeat of my enemies. They're about, well, a seed sown. And it grows slowly, imperceptibly, without great fanfare. A bit like your life as a disciple. But God takes care of ensuring that growth and bringing it to harvest. That is the faith we have. The kingdom looks insignificant, but it bears great fruit for the shelter of many. It is mighty, even if from all sorts of other measures, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like that as we look at Christianity as a military power. No. We're not called to beat our plowshares into swords, but rather live by a truth that makes us people of peace and reconciliation. You see, this isn't about our professionalism. The kingdom of God is not about how well we manage the exterior appearance of our discipleship or about as a church how we do our planning and our budgets and our going to another budget or, or how wonderful our preaching is in, in, in its rhetoric. No, that's not about the kingdom of God. It's about that small kingdom ministry where God plants his seed and brings fruit that I can't see necessarily in all of your lives, but you can see in the lives of the people around you. It's about mission partners scrambling to learn a language so that they might be fruitful 
over the long term. It's about food bank, not feeding the world, but feeding some. It's about providing rent for one more week for a family to experience some semblance of normalcy. It's about grace group, where you're called to be amongst those weird people that you're thrown in with. Being weird yourself, very possibly. Not perhaps having the looks that would get you cast as a sitcom crew. You see, we need to recognize that Jesus tests our hearing. He tests the things that we think are important so that we can discern the kingdom better for our flourishing under God's rule. You see, if the kingdom of God is where God lovingly rules his world for its flourishing in human society, for the praise of his glory in Jesus, we need Jesus to mustardize our hearing, to mustardize our kingdom fantasies. Whether that's a desire for our own glory and success in the world, maybe making all that money, achieving all that success. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just about having a tidier house than the last person you visited. Or by maintaining a a more manly physique. Or by looking like you're healthy even though you're crumbling physically. Or by achieving work approval. Or by being recognized as prayerful. However, we seek to recognize and build the kingdom of God on our own glory. That can lead us to frustration with ourselves and others. Dissatisfaction with ourselves and others. No, we're to hear Jesus challenging those cedar trees that we would put out before us as our goals. Say, no, this is about a mustard tree. Because I have secured the kingdom of God for you, because I have taken judgment for you, you can live out the small things of God. Jesus says that he is the one, that he is is the security for the risk of our investment. In Mark 8, he'll tell us, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Not take up a cedar tree vision Not dream of stadia or sports cars or success or perfect family. But rather take up our cross and follow him. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. If your grasp on your life tells you that you are being successful just now, you are accomplishing your work goals, you're in employment, you're earning money, whatever people tell you is successful. Let Jesus check your heart, check your hearing that the kingdom of God is seen in mustard trees and not in the cedar tree of your own success. If your grasp on your life is actually fragmented, difficult, you don't know the direction, you don't know how your health is working, you don't know how your relationships are going to stand up, you feel weak, well, be encouraged. The mustard tree is not the most impressive tree on the planet. But this is where God is gathering his kingdom. In the day-to-day of your life, in the small growth that sees the shoot rise and eventually give a harvest. If you are encouraged today that you see kingdom fruit in your life or in the lives of others, tell them. Share that reality 
Sometimes we're looking for cedar trees and we need people to point out that actually we're in a mustard tree. We're there perched on its branches or we're bearing fruit. This is a liberating word to us as Jesus mustardizes our hearing, as he changes the emphasis that we might have on ourselves and our own performance. No, this is about God bringing to fruition his kingdom. And it doesn't look like the world tells us it's going to look. It doesn't look like we might even expect half the time. But it is God's faithful purpose. And maybe you're just intrigued because Jesus' parable still seems like a riddle to you. I don't get it. Mustard seeds, trees, not cedars. What, what's this about? Read more of Mark's gospel. Read it with a friend. When we start up a Christianity Explored course a bit later um, in the spring, come along, talk about Mark's gospel, talk about Jesus. Find out why this account of the kingdom of God that looks so counterintuitive, that isn't about the success where you make your min- millions by f- um, funding something and investing perfectly. Find out why this is actually good news. God's kingdom purpose. So let's remind ourselves once more. What is the kingdom of God? It's where God lovingly rules his world for its flourishing in human society to the praise of his glory. Let's seek his glory as we are given the ability to hear. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that we might have time just now to allow your spirit to work in our hearts. You know how we live according to our dreams or the self-commentary we give our lives. Lord, you might want to challenge that story we tell ourselves or that story the world tells us. Would you test our hearing, Father God, so that we could really know what kingdom flourishing looks like, so that we can see it and recognize it in the lives of our brothers and sisters around us, and so that we can encourage others to participate in this life, oriented by the forgiveness that we have, the freedom from burdens, the freedom from striving that we achieve because your son, Jesus Christ, died on a tree for us. Give us that opportunity now to encourage one another, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.